17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I'm Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan. Of course, I'm here with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. Ravens head to Jacksonville on Sunday night to play the Jaguars, who uh, are trying to get their bearings in a row as well as they've lost a couple of games and they've dealt with their injuries and all of these other things that have happened. Very interesting, Cordell, how the Ravens, um, I'm, I'm not superstitious, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic to say this, is have been relatively healthy down the stretch. Meanwhile, other teams have been struggling in terms of their health situation. Yeah, I mean, I and I asked Harbs about that on Wednesday, just, you know, his feelings or his thought process considering where the team has been this time of the year, the last couple of years, uh, injury-wise, to look around the league and see how everybody else is kind of dealing with the injury bug and the Ravens find themselves to be one of the healthier teams in the league. That doesn't mean that they're not, you know, still dealing with injuries. Obviously, there are guys on this team playing through injuries, but when you see them in December having practices where they have all – 53 guys on the field that that has to make you feel good right now. I completely agree. So again, they go to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars who are uh, currently sitting at eight and five, two games behind in terms of the seeding uh, situation. They are currently the fourth seed in the AFC. Let's start with the Ravens offense against the Jaguars defense. Uh, this is a defense that once again has another really good pass rusher, uh, and Josh Allen, not that Josh Allen. If you don't know this defense of Josh <laughs> Allen, and you maybe you need to kind of watch some highlights. This good, this guy is the real deal. He's a very good football player, and um, you know how I feel about this Ravens offense in terms of um, neutralizing pass rushes. I thought that they did a really good job with Aaron Donald for the most part in the Rams game, um, and so now you go into. Uh, Jacksonville. And look, you know, Aaron Donald to me is generational. Josh Allen, I think is a fantastic football player. Trey Walker hasn't really been the guy that I thought, I think that they thought that he was kind of like away in terms of like, Mm -hmm. they drafted him based on potential. And as of yet, he has not done, he has not lived up to the potential of what the Jags thought that he would be. So now you got the Ravens uh, coming in this, this weekend who I still am not really sure what it is they want to do. I think that the Ravens offense just be on vibes. (laughs) You can say that about anybody. You can really say this about any team, right. And that you go by the feel of the game, but in terms of like what it is that they want to do, they still, they'll run and then not get with the flow of the run. They'll pass, but not get with, the flow of the pass. They just be out there bobbing. But somehow, some way, it ends up working. The last uh, five of six games, they've scored 30 points or more. So I guess we can't complain there. Although you already know my issue has been they got to get better um, with the offensive line moving down the stretch. One thing we did notice in the Rams game was the rotation of the left tackle situation between Ronnie Stanley and Patrick McCarry. How did you feel about that, Cordell? I was okay with it. And I mean, and really both of the tackles, you know, Morgan Moses and Falele were in rotation as well. I think think that's the way that they're going to have to kind of play it with 
those two guys, both veterans, both playing through injuries right now. Um, I don't know how, how long it'll go. You know, I don't know if they'll go into the postseason continuing to do that. I would imagine that they'll probably let those guys ride it out at that point, but we'll see. But Harb said, you know, it was uh, the offensive line coach, Coach uh, Joe D's idea, and the players were on board with it. And, you know, I think kind of like what we've talked about with some of these defensive guys like Jadavian Clowney and uh, Kyle Van Noy and those guys, like less is more. For for, yeah. for some guys, you know, you, you're able to keep them fresh. And John Harbaugh said that was a big part of their thinking with that tackle rotation was that they wanted those guys to be fresh for the fourth quarter, which they were. You think back to that fourth quarter on Sunday, quite a few plays where Lamar Jackson is sitting back there eating his lunch, surveying the field and taking his sweet time deciding on what he's going to do with the football. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to keep that going. I completely agree. So we seen the um, emergence and I don't want to say emergence. That's not the right word that I want to use, but we've seen guys like Odell. We've seen guys like Zay, even guys like Nelson Aguilar, where the statistics don't really show out, but his leadership um, plays a big role into what it is that they've been doing lately. Really, um, come to form at the end of that Rams game. And then they go to Jacksonville, uh, who uh, we talked prior to the starting, their their DVOA on defense, I believe, was um, eighth, if I'm not mistaken. It is. And you were like, eh, I don't really like that. I, I, I feel some type of way. It ain't That's more precedent or what they were doing earlier in the season, not later in the season. So explain why you feel that way. Yeah, I mean, you you look at it, especially at home. First of all, Jacksonville is not a good team at home this year. I I, I know they have um, a losing record at home, uh, and right now they're going up against the Ravens offense. That's hot. You mentioned it. They've scored, what, thirty over 30 points in five of their last six games. Well, the Jacksonville Jaguars have given up 30-plus in three of their last five games. So that right there probably mm. isn't Including a good Including the Bengals game. in overtime. Exactly. Don't forget backup quarterbacks. I mean, you look at some of these offenses, you got Joe Flacco who just tore them up for 31 points this past Sunday as well. And definitely can't forget what the Niners did to them a few weeks back, uh, 34 to three at home in Jacksonville as well. So I like, I like this matchup between the Ravens and the Jaguars, at least when you look at the Ravens offense against the Jags defense, you mentioned Josh Allen. He's a legit threat. 13 and a half sacks on the season is no fluke. He's not just fumbling, you know, stumbling into 13 and a half sacks. The dude's legit. Um, but you feel good about, we just mentioned the rotation that they have on the outsides now. I would imagine that they're going to continue to do that Sunday night, keep those guys fresh because Josh Allen has one of the best motors in the league. He's strong. He's got a great swim movie. He just knows how to share blockers very quick and get to the quarterback. Um, I think that the Ravens are going to still try to push the ball down the field. I think they're going to throw the ball quite a bit in this game against Jacksonville. I think that they're going to be the Ravens offense that we've been seeing. You you talked about it. it you don't really know almost what their identity is at this point still. And the same can be said for Jacksonville's offense as well. You don't really know what their identity is at this point. But for the Ravens, I always go back to Todd Munkin's introductory press conference when he was talking about, uh, you know, what violence means to him. 
and violence to him is being able to throw the ball when you want and being able to run the ball when you want. And I think that's kind of how the Ravens are going to operate. I think they want the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands. So whether that means him throwing the ball 40 plus times or taking off and running close to 15 times, that's what they want. They're going to live and die by Lamar Jackson and Lamar's looking pretty good these days. Um, So I I think that they're going to go out there and try to stretch the field. I think that they're going to try to hit hit on some uh, deep shots. Um, This isn't a Jacksonville secondary that scares you. I think as long as Lamar can get time, he'll be able to kind of pick that that defense apart. And Lamar said, you know, um, in the post game from Sunday, like, you know, I saw guys getting open and I got a little a little bit excited, I guess, leading uh, regarding to the missed opportunities down the field when he was throwing the deep ball. So it, you got to assume that, you know, hopefully he can calm down just a little bit so he can get the opportunities of connecting. While, and look, I know, I understand three of the longest passes in last uh, Sunday last week's game came from Ravens I understand but we also can recognize that there were some throws downfield that were missed uh and and look it happens right so ultimately you hope that Lamar uh you know doesn't get as giddy this week when he sees somebody that's wide open because it's possible that you might find the same situation and just be you know take your time don't get too excited just let your progressions flow and hopefully you guys can make some connections moving down the field <laughs> yeah I mean honestly I saw I can't remember I saw a tweet today um and it, I guess it had a kind of a screenshot from an article not sure who wrote the article can't even remember who posted the tweet um I saw it in passing but it had a description of I guess one of the MVP voters thoughts on Lamar And I think at the start of the season, the MVP voter had Lamar in the tier three category. And he said right now he has him in the tier two category. But what he said was, you know, Lamar is going to miss on throws. He has his moments where he's going to miss on throws. But on the back end, he more than makes up with it with the throws that he does end up making. And I then agree obviously with the plays that he makes with his legs. So, yeah, he may not hit on every deep ball. He may not hit every open wide receiver. But throughout the course of that 60-minute game, Lamar Jackson is going to make so many spectacular plays that it, in the end, I think it will end up overriding the negative plays that he may have had earlier. I completely agree with that. So uh, I do think that this is an opportunity for the Ravens offense to make some big plays. Uh, do you think we see Gus more? Because it feels like we're seeing Gus less and less. I continue to say it's a game flow situation. Even as less, look, it's not like we're seeing less of Gus and more of Keaton Mitchell. You're really getting all three of these backs. Justice Hill got quite a bit of run on Sunday against the Rams. So I, and you that's know, because Justice Hill is a better pass blocker. I I, I, I think, think it's than that. Keith Mitchell. That, right. I think that because people keep asking questions. Oh, why is Keith? Why is Justice Hill? You know why? Because Justice Hill is better at pass blocking right now at this point, and and, and allowing Keith Mitchell to just simply run the football the way that he should. Once Keith Mitchell, I think, masters the understanding of what his assignment is from a pass blocking perspective, I think you'll see Keith more. But until then, Justice Hill is not going to be out of this rotation, no, no, whether you not. like it or not. Yeah, he's, he's a part of it. And and look, I, I think, and, and I do think that's a part of it. I do think that's a part of why Keaton isn't getting the run that everybody thinks 
that he should get. And I'll give Keaton some credit. I, I mean, I saw him make a couple of nice blocks in, in pass pro back there, flipping a couple of guys. Lamar gave him a shout out at the podium on Wednesday about that as well. Um, but there's something about Justice Hill that they obviously like. It's the fact that they trust him. I think the trust factor of Justice Hill is is major. They know that they can put him out there and he knows his assignment and he's going to do it to the best of his ability. But this is why when Keaton Mitchell initially started to become a thing, I was trying to temper expectations for him because just like I said, how many times were we talking about J.K. Dobbins needs more carries? Why can't J.K. Dobbins get over 15 carries in a game? Like Keaton Mitchell has yet to have at least 12 touches in a game. It's not a coincidence. This is how they operate. They want multiple guys in that stable. And I don't know what Keaton has to do to really get the opportunities that everybody wants him to get and that he wants to get. I think that they're just going to continue to go with this committee. And then you got to take into account Lamar using his legs on plays as well. That's taking away carries from other guys. 110%. 110%. And I, I agree. I, I do think, you know, as time goes on, Keaton will, but you know, you, you still want to get them acclimated and not right. force them into a situation where you don't have to, because you have other running backs and you have Lamar Jackson when he uses his legs that can help, you know, move the ball down the field on the ground. So I and don't the think good that thing, that's the good thing about Keaton is that he's efficient. So, you know, yep. he doesn't get a lot of opportunities, but at some point he does make one of a couple of those opportunities turn into big plays. Let's flip the script and talk about the Ravens' defense against this Jags' offense coming back on winning drive. All right, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about this Ravens' defense who didn't have the best of weeks, but, you know, it's the National Football League. And the Rams and what they do is uh, very – it's very well done. Um, And the schemes that the Rams do, luckily for them, they won't see too many other teams running those same type of concepts – uh, moving forward, you might be a little bit concerned about the Dolphins game, but let's not cross that bridge until we get to it. The Jaguars are this weekend. And so you have the Ravens defense who uh, apparently, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle Hamilton did a little bit of practicing yesterday. Yeah, he did. He, he was on okay, the practice now, field. He was a part of all the 53 that was on the practice field with a knee brace, but he's there. Yeah. And while that doesn't really mean anything, because there's been times we've seen Morgan Moses have right. full practices and then not play. I would much rather the Ravens in this situation um, hold out on Kyle Hamilton um, just to make sure that he's okay. Now, I don't know if they're going to feel that way because um, Evan Ingram had a pretty decent game, to my understanding, against the Cleveland Browns last week. So you kind of wonder if they are wondering if he's going to be able to be okay to cover Ingram. But nonetheless, um, there's some injuries that the Jaguars are dealing with. Number one, we obviously know that, uh, Sunshine, a.k.a. Trevor Lawrence, is mm. dealing with a high ankle sprain now. Why? I get why he's still out there, because they only have a one-game lead against the Houston Texans, and I think that they're pressing at this point. They're trying to make sure that they're winning the division. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Now, I know when you look at the statistics from that game on Sunday, it looks like it was a close game, but it didn't really feel like it was a close game against the Cleveland Browns. Um, and so – He just didn't look comfortable. He didn't really look, you know, uh, his throws were kind of weird. And I don't know if that's because he's he's having planting issues. I'm not really sure. But ultimately, he just didn't really look comfortable. And then when you add um, to the issues, Christian Kirk 
um, has been out and dealing with an injury. I don't think he's going to play on Sunday. He's their number one receiver. Yes, I understand they got Zay Jones. Yes, I understand Calvin Ridley's still there. So they do still have weapons, but ultimately they're missing their big body weapon um, with Kirk being out on Sunday. So when you look at the injuries, uh, dealing with Kyle Hamilton being potentially being out, because we don't know yet, but then dealing with the injury of Trevor Lawrence, more than likely is going to play with that high ankle sprain, and, and what they're dealing with, how do you think that this bodes in terms of what the Ravens can do? By the way, we saw what, the, and I want to bring this up too, um, Cordell, and I want you to respond as well. The running game um, for the Rams last week was really well, and then they play Etienne this weekend as well for the Jaguars. So I'm just curious to know your thoughts on how they're going to be able to contain the run because it has been an Achilles heel for this defense. And how you think they'll fare against these uh Jaguars a wide receiving core and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, look, it'll be a it'll be a challenge. They've got talent over there without question. Um, the loss of Christian Kirk is a big loss to Jacksonville. You could see it uh just by watching them. It's crazy. Everybody was thinking that Calvin Ridley was going to be the guy this year. And Ridley's been off and on. He's you know, he's he's come through it in spots. Um, but Christian Kirk has been there for them all year. He's he's been consistent every game and with him now out, Parker Washington comes in. Uh, it does put more of the pressure on Calvin Ridley, on Evan Ingram, on Zay Jones, and uh, Travis Etienne out of the backfield as well. Now, one of the issues for – you mentioned some of the health issues for the Jags. Their left tackle, um, Walker Little, he missed last week's game. He's on the injury report. Again, this week he was limited with a hamstring. We'll see if he ends up playing in this game, but if he doesn't, that'll be another huge loss for them as well. Um, when you already have Trevor Lawrence back there dealing with that high ankle spray, this is a defense that gets after the quarterback as is. Yep. If they're going to be without their left tackle, that's going to be a major problem. Um, you mentioned the run game. Yeah, this is, they're going up against arguably, a, I wouldn't even say arguably, a more talented back in Travis Etienne than Kyron Williams right now. Yes. Uh, but I think, They'll, I think they'll actually look pretty good in the, you know, stopping the run in this game. I say that because, number one, the Jags have not been as good running the ball as of late as they were earlier in the year. A lot of ETN's damage this year was done early on uh, this season. He has definitely cooled off uh, as of late. And I think the issue is when you look at the Ravens' struggles in the against the run this year, it's been against teams that have made a true commitment to running the football. It's Very been, true. you know, just continuous pounding up against the wall uh, as opposed to teams like the Bengals and stuff who have kind of gone away from the run. I think that's what they're going to face against Jacksonville. Jacksonville relies on home run hitting run plays. Um, so it's not like ETN is going to be like Kyron Williams was this past Sunday where he's going to get 25 to 30 touches, uh, 30, 25 to 30 carries in this game. I don't think it'll be that way for him. So as long as the Ravens can limit the big plays, tackle him in space, that'll be good. The problem that happened this past week against the Rams was uh, Kyron Williams is getting to the second level before he gets contact. And by that point, he's got his motor going and he's dragging guys an extra five yards a lot of times. So if they can get all guys are going to have to share their blocks at the front line. Matt Abike talked about that was one of the big adjustments they made in the second half uh, because in the first half they were allowing blockers to get up to the second level and get to guys like Roquan and Patrick Queen. 
they can't do that in this game. The uh, the right side of that line for the Jaguars, pretty good. You got former All-Pro Brandon Sheriff. You got Anton Harrison. I like both of those guys. Um, so I am curious to see how the battle in the trenches goes. I don't expect the Ravens to look the way they did this past week against the Rams in this one. I, I like their chances a lot more. But, yeah, I mean, look, Trevor Lawrence can carve you up. He can beat you. This is, a, you know, they, they can put up points. Um, but I think if the Ravens can get pressure, which I think they will, I think that will go a long way into a forcing Trevor Lawrence into turnovers and b forcing him to, you know, use his legs more than he wants to. This is a, this is an offense that wants to push the ball down the field. They can beat you on some of those deep crosses as well, but their scheme isn't the same as the Rams or the Niners or the Dolphins. It's a little different with, with, uh, with, uh, uh, Doug Peterson likes to do out there, um, but they can definitely they definitely want to push the ball down the field. So those corners, Marlon Humphrey, who has had his struggles on some of those down the field passes, they're going to test them. They're going to test them if they see Calvin Ridley over there or even Zay Jones over there. If it's a one on one opportunity, they're going to throw the ball at him. So Marlon's got to be ready to start making a play on some of these passes because both of those receivers are really good at those jump ball opportunities and those deep down the field contested catches, uh, c- contested catch chances as well. So uh, limiting the big plays would be a big part of the emphasis for the Ravens again, just like it was last week. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, look, I think the biggest thing here is you, you know, a guy uh, behind center is not healthy. You know, he's out there playing with a, a, a typically an injury that most people would not be playing. He's pulling a Patrick Mahomes here in the playoffs where he's playing with the high ankle sprain. And look, I'm not, they're two different guys. We, we have yet to see if this is going to work out and benefit the Jaguars. But as of right now, since his injury, they are 0 and 2. And I, and I say 0 and 2, I understand that he got hurt in the Bengals right. game. Um, and, and so I'll go and say 0-1 because he did exit the game and then Beathard came in and played for him. But since he's started after the injury, they've been 0-1. So this is definitely the game where I think you have to put pressure on him. You have to make sure that you make him uncomfortable, that you make him feel like, you know, you, he has to move around because that's what you want. You want him to move around on that bum uh, ankle. You know what I'm saying? You want him to get um, – sketchy you want his feet to be you know moving around because he doesn't know what to do so uh while I definitely agree with you that down down the field got to handle their assignments you can't have any missed and and blown opportunities the same way that we saw in the Rams game last week can't do that but ultimately this is a game where I feel like because you know that you're dealing with an injury with the opposing quarterback you got to make sure that you 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 stay in his face consistently. And even to the point where you feel like that he is starting to see things. Like I'm seeing ghosts now because I'm scared, right. you know, somebody's coming after me and they're really not coming after me. Yeah, I mean, look, and this is a dude that just threw three interceptions in that game against the Browns. He was sacked yeah. four times. He did throw the three touchdowns as well. Had a season high 50 Yeah, but one was a garbage touchdown yeah. at the end of the game. At, at right. that point, the game was out of reach, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, just, he, he definitely he, he he wasn't sharp, and by no means was he sharp in that game. And 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 like I said, the Browns did a good job of forcing them to a play from behind and kind of get them to abandon the run uh, a little bit. But I I do think that this is an offense that 
relies a lot on the big play. And if you can kind of get them, I don't want to say panicking necessarily, but uh, if you could get them to the point to where they feel like they have to start hunting for the big play, then then you got something working. But you got to get them to abandon the run. In four of the last five games for Travis Etienne, he's had less than 15 carries. And he hasn't had a hundred yard. He's only had one hundred plus yard game this year. That was week five against Buffalo. But this is a dude that does damage in the receiving game. He's got at least four catches in the last three games as well. So just because it's, they're not running the ball, they do use some of that short passing game as a little bit of an extension of the run game for Travis Etienne as well. Patrick Queen has been the one that's kind of tasked with guarding these running backs out of the backfield. So he's going to have to be really good at that open field tackling. That's the that's also in Kyle Hamilton's wheelhouse as well. I think that's the importance of his status for Sunday night. Will he be available to be out there to chase down Travis Etienne if he gets the ball in the open field? Very true. So this is an interesting matchup because you're dealing – they still have a lot of good skill players. Again, I mentioned Evan Ingram earlier in the segment uh, because I don't know if that's something that they feel like Kyle Hamilton, they want him to come back for. Again, I, I would like them to kind of just let him rest for a couple of weeks because you got and, – and by a couple of weeks, I'm, yes, I'm saying San Francisco because if you do lose to San Francisco, it's a non-conference loss. It doesn't have an effect on you. Then you're dealing with the situation – I mean, it has an effect on your overall record, of course. I know that. But in terms of your conference record, it doesn't. But um, And then you're dealing with a situation where there's injuries on the Jaguars in terms of their quarterback, in terms of their missing their number one wide receiver. So I, I think that this is the week that you can kind of just let him rest. And now I get it. I understand that he's very good at what he does. And so replacing Kyle Hamilton is – a problem. We noticed that in the Rams game, but my thing is, is that if you know he's not going to play this week, it allows you to scheme and, and come up with plans better because you've had a few days to divulge this as opposed to losing a guy in game and having to, um, you know, change everything that you were doing up until that point. Pepe Williams activated. Uh, he was activated to the active roster. We'll see if he plays on Sunday. Uh, okay. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me. I mean, Jalen Armour Davis has been a healthy scratch quite a few times. Uh, Rocky Sin has pretty much fallen out of the rotation as well. So wouldn't shock me if Pepe gets some run, especially if Kyle doesn't play. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So we will see if Kyle will be playing on Sunday. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the Jags have – they're reeling at this point. And um, we'll see how it goes from there. We'll do our predictions coming up here on Winning Drive. Ravens, Jags, Sunday night football. Uh, we talked about everything that we needed to on both sides of the ball. The Ravens currently are three-point favorites away. Um, how do you see this game going? Because the, I see this, Cordell, as a team that is desperate. They do understand that the Houston Texans are on their heels, uh, and so they're going to have their backs against, against the wall, essentially, to try to make sure that – the Texans do not catch up with them. Um, but ultimately, and, and look, I think, too, if you think about it, the Colts aren't that, that far behind the them Colts as well. I, think the Colts, I mean, the, the Colts have the seventh seed right now. 
That's, this is very true. So the Colts are actually closer. I keep mentioning the Texans, but actually the Colts are one. Also, they're both one game right, behind. They're both one game behind, right. They're both one game behind. So they're not one, but two teams. I just really just did my fingers backwards. <laughs> if you're watching <laughs> the YouTube video, <laughs> I really don't know what just happened to me. Um, okay, let's try this again. Not one, singular, but two. Right. Teams. I did it right this time. Okay, that was weird. Um, but there's two teams in the AFC South that are on the heels of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they're pressing. That's how I see this. They need to feel like that they got to come out with a win. And this is a big opponent. We already heard, you know, other teams say, oh, the Ravens are the creme de la creme. So we got to, you know, bring out our best stuff when we play the Ravens. And everybody levels up when they play the number one seed in the AFC. So do you think that the Jags will be leveling up and they squeak out a win here? Or do the Ravens leave victorious coming out of Jacksonville on Sunday night? Yeah, I, I think the Ravens end up winning this game. The Jags haven't been good at home. Uh, it typically does turn out to be a shootout, which can be a little dangerous because in shootouts, you just don't know. You don't know. It could turn out to be a situation of whoever has the ball last type of thing. So um, the Ravens will have to get stops at some point. You hope that they'll be able to force some turnovers. They've been good about that this year. Um, and you're right, the, the Jags are going to be desperate. But I, I think every team that the Ravens are going to face are going to be desperate. It's December football. If you're not a desperate football team at this time of year, then you probably have nothing to play for right now. We saw the Rams play with a high level of desperation in that game as well. So that's the good thing. That's why I kept saying – that Rams matchup is about as good of a matchup as the Ravens could ask for coming out of the bye, considering what the rest of their schedule looks like. It gave them a true glimpse of what the what December football is going to feel like this year. Um, and I think that's going to continue against the Jags. They're going to get the Jags' best shot. You know, you think the Jags are just going to lay down because Christian Kirk isn't there, because Trevor Lawrence is playing on a bum ankle. Say what you want, but Trevor Lawrence being out there is telling you this dude is fighting, you know, they're, they're fighting for their lives right now. He's not out there just to be there. He He's out there to try to win. That said, I do think the Ravens win this game. I think that they try to make up for that collapse that they had last year in Jacksonville. I'm pretty sure that'll be fresh on their minds. Um, they'll mm -hmm. try to put the game away as best as they can this time. But I do think it gets high scoring. I'll say the Ravens win this game 37-30. Uh, to 30. I'm glad that you mentioned last year's game um, because I definitely think that this is something that they thought about in that collapse game um, last year. Um, obviously, you know, a lot has changed since then. The roster for the Ravens is completely different, particularly on offense. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was out there catching passes last year. Demarcus Robinson, and this is no disrespect to either one of those guys. Demarcus Robinson obviously caught a touchdown in the Rams game. Deshaun Jackson has decided that he's retiring, so there's that. Um, but look at them now, right? They got they they got their own Zay over there. Then Zay Flowers. They got uh, Odell Beckham Jr. They got Rashad Bateman. I know that a lot of people, you know, feel some type of way about Rashad, but I, I'm confident that he'll find his groove getting back into this offense. Um, Isaiah likely, you know, has played 
well enough for us to have the conversation. And again, Nelson Aguilar, who his leadership has definitely been helpful in what it is that he can bring and what he sees out there on the field. So this is a different group that they had last year. Last year's group, I wasn't really confident anyway, but Lamar was out there playing. So you always feel like you have a chance. Well, now Lamar has weapons. That's the difference between this game and last year's game. I definitely think that that's, that stung. That loss stung big time because they clearly, you know, were up and then found a way to scrounger, 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 scrounger. You know what? I'm not using that word. To just the game that gave it away. They gave yeah. the game away. I don't know yeah. what I'm trying to say. I don't know what's going on with me today. My cognitive skills must be a little bit off. But you know what? I I know what I'm saying here. And I'm saying that I think that the Ravens are going to win. And I'm not going to even lie to you, Cordell. I think that this game could be very similar to like a Detroit game or a, a Seahawks game. I don't think it's going to be that close. I, it, I, I understand we have to respect the Jaguars on paper. I do because they do have weapons all day. And I think at first it's going to be close. And then at some point, I just think that the Ravens are just going to impose their will on them. So I don't even think it might in, end up being that close, quite frankly. I'm going to say that the Ravens win this game 34 to 20. That's what I'm going to say with this. I, You know, it feels – because every time we feel intimidated by the part – I'm not saying that we are intimidated by the Jaguars, but what we are are respectful of the weapons that they have. And I think right. that that's a fair assessment, right? We should be. Um, but it feels like every time that we're like, oh, DK Metcalf, oh, the Lions are this – they turn around and just beat those teams down to the ground, right? So now we're coming in like, whoa, well, we saw what happened last year. Oh, Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley's there now. He wasn't there last year. What's going on? You know what? Their quarterback is hurt. Their number one wide receiver is hurt. Their secondary ain't that good. Why not? Why not a beat down? That's what I want to ask you all. Why not a beat down? I mean, especially I know the defense is upset about their last game against the Rams. So, you know, you'd imagine that they're going to come out on fire, kind of similar to the way that they did against the Chargers on Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. It's a primetime game. They don't want to go out there and give up a ton of points. You know, I I don't know. I I could definitely see it being the way that you're saying, and I could see it being a one-score game. December football, especially when you have two teams that are in the postseason right now that are fighting for seeding, Remember, the Jags are basically fighting for the number one seed themselves right Absolutely. now still. So um, I, I just think any anything can happen in these types of games. And, look, just last year, like we mentioned, we thought that the Ravens were going to go in there and take care of business, and it looked like they would. And then as soon as you get ready to turn the channel, here come the Jaguars storming <laughs> back. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but I, I agree with you. I, I do think it's too much going against the Jags for me to say that they'll beat Baltimore. I agree with that. So I, I definitely think, like you said, that this is an angry defense going into that game. They know that they could have played better. Um, I expect them to play better um, in this week's game. And I expect the offense to kind of get into a rhythm that maybe they've not had. If you feel like that the, you, meaning the Ravens, if they feel like that they have opportunities to throw the ball down the field, we know that they're not going to take that opportunity. We saw numerous times where they wanted to take the opportunity to move the ball downfield. Sometimes a little too soon for my liking, but if they can impose their will down the field, it's a wrap. And that's how I see that. If if Lamar is connecting on, let's say if he has eight downfield passes over 25 yards and they connect on five, it's over. 
Yeah, yeah. Am, I, am I saying this and, and, and sounding overconfident? Yes, I am. But that's because I believe that that's the one missing piece from this offense, in my opinion, is more connections of passes to past 25 yards down the field. And if he can go over 50% with that, I, I just don't think that they're going to uh, be stoppable. That's where I stand with that. So I'll say this as well. I think I think the, uh, the Ravens, I mean, the Jags, they do have – quite a bit of speed on that's on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I am curious to see what they decide to do in terms of maybe spying Lamar at times. We know Josh Allen will be rushing, but maybe uh, a Luacon uh, may be a spy guy. He's a, he's a sub four, four type of uh, speed linebacker. So I, I would be curious to see how that speed dynamic works between that you know that chess match between trying to keep Lamar in the pocket and also preparing for him to take out of the pocket because I I'm, I've been saying and we saw it this past week against the Rams Lamar's legs are going to be a bigger part of this offense for the remainder uh, of the season and we saw it Sunday and I, I think that's going to continue on yeah I agree with you so uh we both see the Ravens winning Cordell thinks it's a little bit closer. Me, I think it's not. I think that the Ravens are going to say, you know what, we we messed up last week. We got to come out here strong and, and put on a real show for uh, everybody for Sunday Night Football. So that is how we see it. Before we go, I want to shout out my guy, Cordell. If you guys listen to any other Ravens podcast, that is great. Uh, we we definitely love different perspectives, and we've had people from other podcasts on here in, in previous times. But Cordell is the only guy, the mm-hmm. only guy that is in the castle from your Facts. other favorite podcast. Facts, and Rita's in there as well on her, on her, on when you know when she when she is has the available <laughs> time, obviously, and and you know. Uh, can get through the front gate because of course we're all scratching and clawing to get, to get to the castle. But yeah, I mean, this is the only podcast where you, that you can listen to that actually um, has people that are at the castle on a daily basis around the players, talking to the coaches and stuff like that. So uh, best believe we're, we're given information that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. So uh, we, we appreciate Cordell and what it is that he does when he can come back and, you know, he's able to compile a lot of information. He's able to get the interviews. It does not go unnoticed. So I wanted to shout you out friend, because you are appreciated and I'm sure other people appreciate you and your insight and and access to the castle as well. So we want to thank you all for listening. Hopefully the Ravens come out victorious. We will be recapping the game next month. Monday, uh, because it is a late game. We, you know, I, I, I got to sleep. I'm we going to sleep. Over. We going to sleep. I'm going to sleep. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I want to go to sleep. Uh, you know, depending on how it goes, I might need to kind of, you know, take it right. down just a little bit. So, uh, we will be talking about this, uh, next Monday to follow up the Ravens, hopefully potential win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We want to thank you all for listening. So from Cordell to me, this is winning drive. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.